if you like betting on golf. But everyone that you back misses the cut, get some experts involved. With all the stats and the tips and so much more, cause it's the golf betting system, the golf betting system, it's the golf betting system podcast. Greetings and welcome to the Golf Betting System Podcast 160. This is our 2021 RBC Heritage and Austrian Golf Open Tips and Picks episode. Paul Williams and Barry O'Hanrahan join me, Steve Bamford, to discuss this week's PGA and European Tour action. Good morning, gents. Morning, guys. Morning, guys. This podcast is for listeners of 18 and above. Please be gamble aware. You can visit begambleaware.org for more information. And of course, please bet responsibly. Visit our world famous golf betting system website with our in depth betting previews, masses of tournament stats, and our predictor models, all available completely free of charge with no paywall. Please subscribe to this podcast and drive the popularity of the show. We're available on Twitter. Paul is at Golf Betting. I'm at Bamford Golf. Barry is at A Good Talk Golf. You can join our Golf Betting System Facebook group. The link is available in the description box. Plus, look out for the Steve Bamford Golf YouTube channel where I present the Golf Betting Show every week. Now, you guys as listeners power this podcast, so we need your five-star reviews on Apple Podcasts as ever. For those of you who leave a review, I will read them out at the start of a future show. Leave your name and where you are in the review. Secondly... If you are in the growing band of YouTube listeners, please subscribe and like the show. We had a 1,000 listeners to the podcast last week on YouTube for the Masters, which is one of our highest numbers mm. ever. So if you're listening on YouTube, please subscribe and like the show. That's really important. Right, a couple of um, a couple of reviews here, gentlemen, for us. Five stars and love the theme song. A fantastic show with expert tips that are well presented by Steve, Paul and Barry. All tips are backed up with a fully comprehensive review of statistics, but also a nice mix of tips from the heart. Myself and fellow golf addict friend Marty meet every week in the pub to go over tips and put our weekly bets on. A favourite part of the show for us is the theme song. It's catchiness summed up by Marty inadvertently whistling the tune... As he putted in for a birdie on the 17th hole last week. Keep, keep, this is great. Keep it up, gentlemen. Five stars from Paul and Marty. And it all makes sense when I read the, when the, the location out. Adelaide, Australia. Yeah. I was going to say, how, are you how can you be having yeah. a chat down the pub at the moment? Unbelievable. Well in, well in, lads. <laughs> Enjoy that. Yeah, that is a cracker. I like that. Marty betting on his own putting. It's so good. And second one, Bermuda Grass Shorts is the title. Five stars. Brilliant info. Saves me wasting my week trying to get my head around all the different grasses. I'll I'll put my hand up for that one. Courses and form so I can throw my money away. Now I can listen for an hour or so, digest the three lads' great informative opinions. Then I can decide to ignore them. Good idea. And stick a pin in my phone and pick Paul Casey again. Seriously, though, five stars is not enough for this podcast. That is from G-U-Tubga. Yeah, that's a strange one. G-Y-T-U-T-B-G-E. And he is in the UK. 
Brilliant Thank stuff. you very much for those two really good uh, reviews. Much appreciated. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. No. Lovely to hear the feedback. Thank you. Please keep them coming. Um, absolutely paramount. Really, really looking for some more reviews. Um, of course, UK, America, Canada, um, Ireland. We had we had some uh, a good number of Irish reviews um, a couple of weeks ago. Also, Australia. If you are an Australian listener, and I know there are lots of you down there. Please throw us a five-star review. Right, it's a busy show. It's a packed show. We try and keep it to just over the hour. Um, we need, of course, to talk about the 2021 Masters. So I'm going to throw it out to you two guys. We were, we were just having a chat off mic. Um, what were your main takes from Hideki Matsuama's... I'll classify it as a shock victory. Was it a shock to you two? <laughs> I don't know if the word shot's right, because he's clearly a, a world, world-class world player. We've seen what he can do at WGCs. Um, he just wasn't on my radar, wasn't on many people's radar, I don't think, to win this week, or the week just gone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I agree. It's not it's not a shock at all that he won a major, and even more so that the, it was the Masters. You know, Tita Green, um, Magnificence is uh, requested there if you want to win, and you don't need to be incredible at putting, and that is... That's just Hideki to uh, to a T, as as we've known him through his career. Mm. He pulled it all together and played awesome. I'd I'd love to know what he watched in the on his phone in the hour rain delay, because that's what he did. Where other guys were, I don't know, range hanging around or whatever, and he goes back out and blitzes, just blows the tournament apart on the uh, on his back nine on Saturday. So that uh, no, was it. Was brilliant. It was great to watch. Um, a shame that like you, we didn't catch a a pretty juicy price on a very talented golfer. But I uh, because all my bets um, decided to tank and get out of contention very very early in the tournament. I was able to actually watch and enjoy the tournament without rooting for particular things to happen, which was uh, kind of unique and, yeah. and and nice. Takes the emotion out of it, Barry, doesn't it? So, but we know, we know yeah, what he yeah, can do. Was, you know, cool. I, I backed him um, back at Firestone when he won what twenty seventeen. It was his, his last last win, wasn't it? Or, um, mm. Yeah, the, the last time we saw him in that kind of certain take take apart a, a world class field like that, and he was you know absolutely incredible that week, um, particularly on the final round. And you know, as you said, when he came back out from the rain delay, it was a different story. He was just uh, just unstoppable and. Uh, just about held it together as he was coming down the stretch, but uh, good enough at the end of the day. You wonder what it was. Was it just the tiny bit of softening in the greens just mm. made his really good iron play stand out that little bit more and enable him to separate a little bit from the field? Mm. You, you know, pop a few putts on top. Obviously, you need to make putts, but some of the iron shots he hit in that stretch of golf were, were like just outstanding. Um, and. You know, um, it, it all worked out great in the end. Like he, it got a little exciting. Um, I guess we'll get to that in a little bit. But um, yeah, it was fair play to Hideki. It was, it was thing, yeah. yeah. <clears throat> Do you think Hideki wins goes on to win more, another major or more majors now? Now that he's broken that pressure barrier. Well, listen to this. This might answer the question. We've always said on this podcast, and I'm a firm believer, Hideki Matsuama on Bermuda grass greens is a big no-no. I know he won the hit and giggle at Tigers one year, but you know, in a proper golf tournament, he's won six times now on the PGA Tour, including, of course, the Masters. Five of those victories have come at Muirfield Village, 
two at Phoenix, one at Shazam, the HBC World Golf Championship, and of course now the Masters. Um, three of those bent grass greens. Those Phoenix wins are the Bermuda grass with the velvet bent grass overseeded on the top. And then he's had one of Firestone, Poana greens. So five, you could effectively say five of those victories have all been on bent grass for putting surfaces. And I think for majors, you know, we do tend to see a lot more Bermuda grass, uh, sorry, a lot more bent grass greens in play upstate in America. So uh, yeah, with his game, he's got enough, pa- he's got the whole package, isn't he? It's just a lot of it with Hideki has been recently, and this is what really put me off him, was his driving's been sort of wild. And it was wild at San Antonio the week before, and then he finds something on the range or finds something in a practice round at Masters and... All of a sudden, his approach play was good anyway. And he's around the green game. He was third for around the green at San Antonio. Didn't I think he... Um, the one sign that was I did miss was that he... I think he was tied third after day one at um, the Valera. The week yeah, before. he was on Yeah, 67 or something he shot. But, and but then he the, did what Hideki's been doing recently. He just disappeared off the leaderboard. And you just yeah. said, oh, Hideki hasn't got it. The, the season, I mean, one of the things that we were looking for... Um, was a, at least a top 10 for the year to date. And it, it had plenty of starts and hadn't mustered a top 10. But it had come 15th or thereabouts at the... Yeah, um, Bay Hill, I think. Yeah, the, the WG, so the concession, I think he was in that kind of in that kind of position yeah. as well. But other than that, you know, the, the, it, you'd have had to have been a you know, Hideki truther, I think, to, to really pick him out and to... Um, mm. You know, to, to stick with him this week, he was in the right um, price point. You know, we talked about the price points being in that kind of fifty to one give or take bracket. What was he forty fives? I think he was. So, mm. um, price wise, juicy mid price um, winner for the Masters, which often happens. But um, yeah, I wasn't anywhere near him. I must say, um, disappointing for me was Spieth. Um, I backed Spieth uh, before the. Valero had finished at 16s, and uh, I think Spieth realistically would be disappointed that he didn't win that last week. Um, he had his yeah. chances. His first for greens and regulation, which you know we talked about how his approach play had been so much better recently. And um, bizarrely for Spieth, it was those um, kind of six, eight, ten footers that you'd expect him to make or make his fair share of that, that really let him down from. I think it was was it the eighteenth on Saturday where he missed a kind of six seven footer and then he missed a, a whole host of them at the start of Sunday as well and it only takes you know two or three of those to have dropped and he'd have been at the minus ten point and you know had someone been that little bit closer to Decky coming down the stretch then um, it could have been a different story I think that that was the thing wasn't it like the pressure um, not to jump off speed but like he he probably he should have won in in realistically with the with the the setup he gave himself to get you know being on the greens and in better than anybody else um the pressure never came on to Hideki early enough or for long or for sustained enough periods of time no, I mean I know seven, I, seven I know clear at one stage on the back I know line. he got yeah he got I know he got like caught super early on in his round he was only one ahead after he had played his first hole but immediately stretched it back out again and you know the when he got through the fifth when it looked like he was definitely making a bogey after going into the bunker he made par there now i'd say that was just that probably felt like he he saved a shot or maybe even two and he probably felt like um on cloud nine at that stage and then nobody really got to 
the pressure point until Xander did on 15, after 15. And that pressure lasted all of three to four minutes. <laughs> you know? Um, and it was... I guess that's the only kind of lament I might have about this week is that the everything looks a lot closer now at the end of the day, just looking at the leaderboard. Um, but there just wasn't that like riveting excitement throughout the the day and the evening when you were watching it um, to make it like a, a truly classic Masters. Uh, but you know, it, it has all it has all its own unique things that went on, and uh, I mean, I don't think we're going to forget it for quite a while. It was. It was quite a display by Hideki and, uh, you know, Zalatoris went really well. That's a great story too. Mm-hmm. Um, man, he's good, isn't he? First, Impressive. Yeah. First Masters and just like, just keeps going. First just Masters. Kept, kept at it. And he's not in the FedEx Cup rankings. Oh my God. <laughs> oh, he's, he's had a top 10 at the US Open and now a second at the Masters. <laughs> they, he might be focusing a little bit of introspection on their process they have to be they have to have some way to enable somebody to yeah you know upgrade their status throughout the year without without getting that win i know i know, I know having a pj to a card is uh, you know you, you you know it's it's defended isn't it rather than openly invited yeah but yeah. you know for players of the stature of Zalatoris, um and we've had plenty in the recent past as well you've got to if he, you've, you've got to have some kind of um Status where you know they're they're allowed into the FedEx Cup because it's ridiculous. I think he'd be he'd be some ridiculous ranking in the FedEx Cup if he had the points. The yeah, points are top ten, did I read, or top yeah. twelve? Yeah, yeah. As Big Randy said on the No Laying Up podcast, those points are held as an IOU. <laughs> so if he wins, they all get applied retrospectively, okay. which is just mental. So like, if you have a top thirty player in the world. He'd be top whatever in the FedEx Cup, and he 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 literally can't get into the playoffs unless he wins no. the tournament. I think that's right. It has to win. But you can have all the sponsor exemptions you want. It just it's so. It, it's, we had a very similar thing, sense. Barry. Although it wasn't as pronounced as Alatoris with Morikawa a few. Well, we've had it. We've had we were Hovland, Morikawa, Matthew Wolf. You know, and we can go back to Jordan Spieth. Even they literally have to win. They have to win one. Mm. Um, just to take you through some numbers, Spieth. As we were saying, 14th for driving accuracy, 75% of fairways. First for GIR, as Paul pointed out, 22nd for putts per GIR. That was the problem. He was third for total accuracy and ninth for ball striking. So that was a, that was a hell of a week for speed, T to green. I mean, if we had strokes gain data, I'm sure he was very close to the top of that particular mm. category. From a ball striking perspective, John Rahm ranked number one, Xander ranked number two. Corey Connors was number three. He's he's turned into a real player, isn't he? Connors now, mm. an absolute. Man, his putting, his yeah. putting must have been pretty poor then. Uh, across the week, he was twentieth, but yeah, on Sunday it, huh. it was it was two putts, but it was probably even worse than two putts mm. for GIR. But that's yeah. what happens with Connors. He's you know from off the tee, and his approach play is literally top five on the planet. Uh, it gets a bit scratchy then around the greens, and the putting is the huge weakness. But then yeah. you probably said the same about Wolves Alatoris, and um, yeah. look what happened to him. So, but yeah, yeah, I, I, it was an interesting week, interesting week all round. Um, also, great to see Robert McIntyre get that birdie on eighteen, so that he's definitely got an invite, finishing in the top twelve, and gets the invite back next year. It's interesting that twelfth place there was a tie. Stuart Sink, Brian Harmon, Siwoo Kim, Robert, 
Kevin Nart and Webb Simpson all, all tied for 12th and all get an invite back to the Masters next year automatically. That's going to be so that, you know, being really anally attentive like I am, retentive. It's going to be a big field next year straight away because you've effectively got what? Uh, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16. There's 17 players there straight away into next week, next year's field. It plus your be. top fifty, plus your top fifty moves between <laughs> yeah. the end of the year and the yeah yeah, yeah. and then the past champions. Well, certain years that would literally be twelve players, and straight away you've got mm. that tie there. Yeah, it's seventeen players actually finished in a tie for twelfth or better. Mm. You know, McIntyre might not be a top fifty player. Harmon might not be. Sink, very unlikely to be in the top fifty next year. So yeah. Interest, interesting leaderboard, I thought. Tony Finau, what about him? F- third for putting average, Tony Finau. And he was 50... F- he basically only hit 50% or just over 50% of greens. See, you've got to say he maxed out this week because Definitely. you know the last, the, the last couple of events, his game, his long game, has really looked off. And when that happens, I mean, you're not seeing him much on TV and then you're not really seeing his putting. And because he's not up there, you're not really paying too much attention to what he's no. doing stats-wise anyway. Mm-hmm. So you wouldn't notice if he's putting well. And then, wow, for Tony to do that, on watch out if he can figure out the uh, the long game. Well, you know what back now, to where it was. The long game will come back and he won't be able to make a putt or a chip. <laughs> <laughs> that's, a, that's another top 10 at the Masters and, and you know, another Amazing. major top 10. Yep. And you know, in terms of his price ongoing, you know, the bookies will look back, punters will look back at his record and... You know, it, it, it looks like a sparklingly consistent record, which, which it is. And it just doesn't get close enough to win him. But, um, you know, another, if you'd have backed him 10 or 11 places last week, another another payout from an each-way perspective at a major championship, which uh, he's making a real habit of. But you know what? You have, to, you have to say there's another little string to his bow in that he has managed to get himself into a top 10 with a very different set of stats than he normally would bring to the table in getting a top ten. Yeah, he usually, he usually tees the greens it to pieces and then misses everything yeah. on the greens. And this, so the it, fact yeah. the fact that he's ma- figuring out a way to do to score and get it there another way is mm. you know it's building the skill set. It's true. So his strokes um, gained around yeah. the green and strokes gained putting numbers would have been off the charts this week. By the way, we're only a few weeks away from the PGA Championship. Correct. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Being played on a seven thousand nine hundred yard golf course by the sea, yeah. par seventy two, featuring Paspalum, Tony Finau, only victory, Paspalum, oh. Puerto Rico. <laughs> it sounds like Steve's only bet as well for the week right now. Well, I, you know, I'm doing what I usually do, which is just not listening to you two and looking at different odds <laughs> and stuff. He is currently four zero to one with Betfair or Paddy Power to win the PGA Championship. He is as short as twenty-eight to one with Bet three six five. I can feel Barry already on the phone, <laughs> already getting onto Paddy Scrolling Power. Through. Sweet talk on my bookie. Hey baby. Well, I got go. forty to one to for the US Open, yeah. didn't I? I got forty to one on Fee now for the US Open. Forty yeah. to one at the PGA on a on a ridiculously long, what the longest ever major championship golf course on Paspalum Greens. Finau, we know that you know Torrey Pines. He he plays brilliantly by the coast, 
He's also, don't forget, that that one, uh, Shane Lowry's Open Championship victory, where was Fee now? Was he third? I think he was third at Royal Portrush. Ooh, let me get let me get Googling. You keep talking there. He was definitely in the top five, and that was a horrible, you know, typical, really hardcore Lynx golf challenge. 40, he was third. Yeah, 40, yeah, 40 to one on a... It isn't a... Um, Kira Island is just an American golf course that's located on the course, so... If he can find those, uh, the driving and the GIR, that's a decent number, forty to one for Fina. And that's that's really achievable for him. Like, we, there's not an awful lot that can go seems seemingly go wrong with the swing, short back swing. You know, just rips through it. So you you could you could definitely see him finding it. You know, very solid ball striking, um, an accurate ball striking back again between now mm. and then. Yeah. That's just a blip, I think, last week. You don't expect to see that kind of numbers out of him, do you? In in the fifties for those numbers. For your insurance, Mm. for your each way insurance, someone that you know is likely to get into the paying places, fee now is never a bad bet at a major. You know, he is T four after all. Right. Let's crack on. We've got lots to cover. I'm going to hand the floor to you, Paul. European Tour back in action this week. The Mm. Austrian Golf Open. Take it away. Indeed, yeah. yeah. It's nice to have the European Tour back for another another stint over the next few weeks, hopefully. Um, yeah, and another rejig of the schedule, isn't it? So the um, the Austrian Open's slotted into the uh, schedule this week. Um, what we should have had, we should have had the Portugal Masters and then um, a couple of weeks at um, the... No, I think we should have... <laughs> trying, to, trying to get my head around it. And we should have had a couple of weeks in the Canary Islands then the Portugal Masters. But the Portugal Masters has dropped off the schedule um, they've slotted in the Austrian Open to um, to fill the gap, and then they've pushed the two events, one at um, Gran Canaria and one at Tenerife, um, both a longer week, so they're, they're in the next two weeks following. The French Open, which should have followed after that at the Gulf Nationals, being cancelled. So, again, it'd be interesting to see what the European Tour will do, whether they try and fill that slot with another um, short-term or kind of hastily organised event or not but um, we'll they see they want to get it's, it over here don't they they want to get some UK events going yeah we've got we've got some later in the year I, I guess it's the infrastructure and the whole setup that needs to be right but but clearly they managed to get a few going you know in, in relatively short time yeah. frames last year And so, so, so as it stands Austria this week and then you've got two events over in Gran Canaria yeah, oh, yeah no, one in got, Gran Canaria one Tenerife, one Tenerife that's yeah. it yeah yeah, and then the following week currently is a blank, but I wouldn't be surprised to see that filled with um, with something else. And of course, they had another a, a separate location in Austria they used last year, um, following the, this this event yeah. um, in July. So they've got options out there, I think. So yeah, we'll, we'll see how it all pans out. But uh, but for this week, we're back to Austria, we're back to the Diamond Country Club, which we um, know and have seen a number of times back on the European tour, which is good. Um, we did eventually get a field out of the European Tour yesterday. There was um, a bit of a, a bit of confusion as ever as to as to what the field is, but um, we got there in the end. Um, Thomas Detry is the favourite, ten to one with uh, Unibet. Generally eight to one. Um, interesting strategy that Unibet are taking this week. Actually, um, they've gone long longest price on Detry over in Austria, and which makes all the rest of their prices particularly short. But uh, if you do fancy Detry, then that's the place to go. Ten to one versus eight to one generally. Uh, Sam Horsfield sixteen to one. Justin Harding eighteen to one. Matthias Schwab eighteen to one. 
Kurt Kitsuyama, Rasmus Hogard, and Martin Keimel, 20 to 1. Ghost Loughton, 22s. And then you're into the likes of Dean Bermester, Adrian House at 30 to 1, Sean Crocker, 33s, and 40 to 1 bar those players. Um, and as I said, we're back to the Diamond Country Club, which uh, which we've seen for a number of years. The Leonice Open um, was held here from 2010 onwards. We had the Shot Clock Open at twen- in 2018 as well. We had the Austrian Golf Open, which was the first event back after the COVID break last July. So there's plenty to review in terms of course history. And of course, you'll find all of that on the website on the event stats sheets for this particular week. The track's a 7,458-yard par 72. It's flat, it's exposed for the most part. Um, but it's tough, it's, it's a challenging track. And for me, Green's regulation has always been king here. Approach play has got to be the, the key to, to mastering this particular track. Um, slow, bent pioneer greens. I think you'll find that uh, the toughness and the, this kind of the, the speed of the greens is going to be poten- uh, potentially impacted by how this is set up this week and the conditions that we're likely to expect over in uh, in Austria. Because don't forget, normally in Austria, this this event, when it is played, they tend to play it in the summer months. So it's nice and warm, it's 80 degrees, it's, um, it's, it's firm, it's fast. And Diamond Country Club plays the, the way it's intended. But the forecast for this week is, is horrible, potentially. We're looking at um, sub-50 Fahrenheit temperatures. The, the mornings are starting off around about freezing and... You know, you're getting up to five, six, seven degrees centigrade in the afternoon some days. Uh, rain's forecast, sleet, snow's forecast as well. Um, I, I can't remember the last time we had a European Tour event that was uh, suspended for snow, but there's a potential for it to happen this week by the looks of it. Um, 15 to 20 mile an hour winds as well on the Thursday, dropping a little bit. But can you imagine, you know, we've all played in some horrible um, conditions and Barry I expect you've played in some worse conditions than all of us um, over in Ireland but um, it's not pleasant playing when it's um, it's barely above freezing raining and blowing 15-20 miles an hour don't you weather shame us Paul <laughs> <laughs> is that I'm sorry is that just a stereotype is it uh, no 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 it's it's very very accurate especially by the coast you can get caught in some pretty nasty stuff yeah uh, and yeah. It, it, it you know it's not pleasant isn't it you know, the players need to be um, prepared for it they need to be comfortable playing in those kind of conditions you need to you know you need to be dressed for the occasion um, cold hands and uh, yes, it, it adds a different dynamic to the to the event so um, I expect it's going to play tough this week. In, it's a tough, tough course, um, and generally the, the winning scores minus twelve up to about minus seventeen when it plays a little bit softer and a little bit, um, a little bit easier. But uh, I'd be surprised to see somewhere around about double figures, maybe 11, 11 12 under being the the winning score this week. So uh, we'll see how that pans out. Uh, winning total, or win, winning winners here since it's been played at Diamond Country Club then. Uh, 2010 was Jose Manuel Lara. He won at 66 to 1. Kenneth Ferry in 2011 at 55s. Bernd Wiesberger at 25 to 1 in 2012. Joost Lauten 25 to 1 again in 2013. Michael Lundberg 250 to 1 in 2014. Chris Wood at 12 to 1 in 2015. Ashen Wu 160 to 1 in 2016. Then Dylan Fratelli at 40 to 1. Mikko, Mikko Korhonen. Won the shot clock. Yeah. Um, he won the shot clock masters in twenty eighteen. I was on him at twenty eight to one that particular week. And then Mark Warren won 
the first event back last year, pushing his own uh, clubs around on his trolley. 150 to 1 he was last July to win. That was a very atypical victory here, though, wasn't it? Because Mark Warren is in no way, shape or form a Greens and Regulation monster, is he? Well, do you know, I, when I've, you look back through Mark Warren, and I, I, I go back to his performances at Wentworth back in the day, and when he plays well, it is, you know, he's that kind of 80, 85% Greens and Regulation player, right. but um, it, it just doesn't happen that often. And if you right. go back through his um, his form coming into this event last July, it was right. terrible. He'd had one, he played once in a year, he'd finished 45th, I think it was, in South Africa. And the previous whole previous year in 2019, he hadn't had a top 50 finish on the European Tour. Yeah. Um, then arrives in Austria and wins 151. Now, good luck with that. And I know, you know, and and uh, I know Ben Coley put him up at 150s. And you know, to to pluck that out of um, of the air and and to to get him over the line was incredible. So hats off to Ben. Um, but uh, but yeah, if you if you're trying to work through a plan and pick a player like that, um, yeah, good luck. But yeah, I, I guess when you boil it all down, approach plays key for me. Greens and regulation key. Um, there's no stats from the event in July. Um, it was, as I said, the first event back from uh, from the COVID break, so it was all very, very limited. And I think there's going to be limited um, shots tracking this week again, um, by the sounds of it. But we should see some some pictures on the TV screens at least. But yeah, approach plays key. Greens and regulation key. Scrambling is tough, so you're much better being able to find the greens um, and, and putting rather than trying to scramble and save parks is particularly particularly difficult. Um, incoming form isn't critical, as we said. Mark Warren you know, showed virtually nothing coming into it. Um, some of the players who won here you know, did have some form coming in, but a lot of them are, are quite patchy at best. Um, course form seems to be more positive in my view, and I think you need to kind of understand the intricacies of this track because you can look at the track and think actually it looks quite straightforward, um, and then it really is quite a challenge, particularly on and around the greens. So, um, and of course we're going to have to find someone who can handle the conditions. You know, it's not going to be for everyone. Some of the some of the southern European players um, turning up this week and playing in you know virtually sub-zero temperatures. With their gloves on, with their snoods on, with their, you know, a couple of coats and jackets and hats and all sorts going on. You, you're going to need to be able to um, find a way to play in those kind of conditions. So, you know, potentially it's it's one for the for the northern Europeans and those kind of more hardy types who've pro- proven in the past that they can uh, they can handle the conditions. And that's kind of where I've gone gone down the, the route that I've taken is a, a bit of course forms good and, and those players that have shown an aptitude for playing or you know or should theoretically have a, an, an ability to play in tougher colder conditions as well so so yeah that's that's where i've got to i've backed four this week um i've headlined with yost Lauten. and you go back to july yost Lauten was 13 to 2 to win this um, tournament in july he finished 18th. He hadn't played for months coming into that event, as, as no one had. Um, 22 to 1 he is this week. And that's coming off the back of a 7th place finish on his last outing. It, it, the price kind of flummoxed me a bit because I was, I'd was i had Yost in mind for this. Um, and he, you guys know that I follow Yost quite, quite closely anyway. 
Um, I was expecting maybe 16 to 1 at best. So 20 was the, the first price that came up. And then 22 is it's widely available with some extended places as well. So I think that's a cracking price. Um, and as I say, 7th last time out in Kenya. He was 10th for driving accuracy that week, 16th for greens and regulation, 9th for strokes gained approach. That's Yost. That's what we expect to see from Yost Lauter. What we don't expect to see is second for strokes gained putting. And I say I watch Yost's stats quite closely. That's because he's one of these that I think you can really see telegraph an impending victory. And we expect him to be good from tee to green. We expect his approach play to be good. Um, we expect his putting to be fairly middling. So when I'm seeing second for strokes gained putting, that is an absolute green light for me to jump on. So... Um, you coupled up with the fact that his course form here, 3rd, 1st, 3rd, 6th, 7th, 18th over 6 attempts. So he won back here in 2013. Um, that was with his old caddy, Martin Gray, back in the day. Um, he's recently switched back to Martin Gray. He's got him back on the bag. Um, good personal relationship he's got with Martin. Um, he seems really quite buoyed with the fact that he's got um, got his old caddy back on. Clearly some positive vibes from back in the day when they, when they won here together. Um, I think it's all, it all lines up nicely. He'll, he'll, he'll be fine with the conditions. You know, again, another Northern European. He'll, he'll understand how to, to play. And the tougher it gets, the better for Yost, in my view. So, 22 to 1. Couldn't, couldn't go any other way towards the top of the market, I must say. Um, another player I've backed, David Horsey. Um, he, he had his breakthrough. What he was described as his breakthrough in lockdown with his swing. And... Um, it's interesting the words that he used. He described his approach play now as being leagues better than it ever has been. And that's interesting for Horsey because, again, he's a neat and tidy player. I'd, you know, I'd have always put him down as having a decent approach play or approach game anyway. So to see him now purring about the fact that his game, his, his approach game is better than it ever has been is, um, is pretty telling, I think. And we saw that in Saudi on his last outing. Um, top quality field it was in Saudi as well, wasn't it? And he finished second for strokes gained approach that week and hit over 80% in greens of regulation. And that was his best um, relative to the field performance in that stat for over 18 months. So seems like we're getting a, uh, you know, a, a fruition of his, uh, his the work that he's been doing and these you know, kind of swing tweaks. I don't think the wholesale swing changes that he's made, but swing tweaks that he's made. Um, particularly with his irons, that's uh, got him really excited about this, the shape of his game going forward. Um, he wel welcomed a baby son into the world at the start of April a couple of weeks ago, so we'll clearly be buoyed by that. And the nappy factor is, uh, is, is often um, stated. Uh, course form, 9th, 38th, 31st, 2nd, and then 7th, um, the last time that he played here as well. Some, some good positive vibes on this particular track as well. And Again, being an Englishman, he'll have played in all sorts of weathers over the years, so um, you'd expect him to be able to handle the conditions, I'd have said. So yeah, um, so Horsey's in as well, um, 55 to 1 Horsey. Uh, John Catlin, I backed at 70 to 1, he's been, he's been nibbled in a little bit, but there's still some 60s out there, and I think anything um, 50 and above is, is a good price for Catlin. Um, I backed him in Kenya the last time out, and he missed the cut, which is... Uh, which is a common theme. <laughs> I've forgiven that for the, for this time because I think you know tougher tests are absolutely what we should be looking at for John Gatlin. Nine wins in four years, and yeah, the boy's clearly a winner, um, and clearly they're one that can take his opportunities when they're presented to him. Uh, we talk about tough tests. Um, plus two, he won at Valderrama. 
um, 10 under in Ireland and that, that Irish um, Irish Open victory that we saw at the back end or on last autumn was again another one in cold conditions it was generally sub 50 Fahrenheit for the four days so um, he got got the job done there clearly showed an aptitude and ability to play in these kind of cooler colder conditions as well and um, the ball striking is absolutely his, um, his strongest suit it's, it suits this particular track like a glove I think um, finished eighth here on debut in July, so got on with it well, and that was off the back of three straight missed cuts. So he's coming in with some stronger form this year, and he looked good in Kenya the week before I backed him. Um, he, the first Kenyan event, he was fourth for driving accuracy, second for greens and regulation, second for strokes gained approach. It was clearly the weight of my money the following week, which dragged him down. But uh, let's hope that has a negative, well, an, uh, the, the opposite effect this particular week, and uh, he puts in a decent performance this week. We live in hope. So John Catlin, the 70s is in. And the final player I've backed is Craig Howie at 150 to 1. I backed him, you remember, back at the Belfry in, uh, in the autumn last year. I backed him at 250s. And he finished fifth there. So that was a lovely each way return. It's not quite the same price here this week, but um, that's because he finished fourth here um, back in July. So clearly got some course form. Um, yeah, I think the, the logic for both of those events is similar here. You know, he's, he's got a cracking long game, um, and that's perfectly what's going to suit this particular week, I think. You know, it's a hardy Scott. The conditions aren't going to impact him or affect him as much as some of the other players this week, I think. He'll be playing in shorts if he could. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe maybe a little extreme, but, uh, but yeah, he's clearly going to be one that's uh, more comfortable in the conditions out there, I thought. And he's got to take his opportunities. He's they've rejigged the card categories for the European Tour, and Craig's getting very, very few starts. And he's, he's kind of um, conceded that he might get maybe a half a dozen starts this season. The rest of the time, he's going to be playing either the Sunshine Tour or the uh, the Challenge Tour. So when he does get a start, as he gets this particular week, um, he's got to take his opportunities. And the course suits, the conditions suit. He finished fourth here last year. Um, I think he's got a good chance of making the frame at 150 to 1. It's a, a great price in my view. So yeah, that, that the four I've gone for. Craig Howie, John Catlin, David Horsey, and at the top of the shop is Joost Loughton, who I now, think has got a now, great chance. I'm going to interject, being the host of the podcast. Paul, I want you to sit there and think, because we've been asked about this quite a lot now, haven't we? So... Transatlantic double. Yep. Who's your nomination for that? And also, who will be your... Uh, what's the best way of putting this? Your fade of the week. Well, I have... I, I, I've have you placed... got a fade of the week? Have you already Tetri. thought about this? Tetri, 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 whatever well, the pronunciation is. Yeah, in terms of... We, we, we've been, we've done quite well with our fades recently. We're good at picking yeah. the ones that don't win. If anybody just follows our tips from last week, you can have oh, to get no. all be fades. They're, they're dangerous, aren't they? It's dangerous to state the fade because um, they inver- invariably can go well. In the end, unless you oh, pick someone further down. Get on with it, man. My, each way with transatlantic double I have placed is Yost Loughton into Kevin Nutt. Okay. So you're going for Loughton as your part of the transatlantic double. Yeah, absolutely. Right? Yeah. 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 yeah, 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 yeah. And what about your fade of the week? You're not, you're not, you're not, you're not. You're, you're not. You, you are. There's a logic. There's a <laughs> logic to this, though, being a dangerous thing to call because you need to call somebody who 
theoretically should or has a great chance yeah. of winning. Mm. Yeah, so yeah. that's why that's why it's so risky. Yeah, which is great. Yeah. So I'll call mine as Detri or Detri. I'm not sure how to pronounce his name. Sorry, Thomas. Fading. <laughs> you know, I'm just picking. You know, fading David Howell isn't much of a fade this week. Well, no, no, of course it's not. And you you could make a negative case for for Detri on the basis of him not getting over the line. You could say the same with Martin Martin Keimer as well. Um, you know, again, I could I could look at Keimer and say, well, you know, I don't think he's going to win, and invariably he probably won't win. But tougher conditions. You know, perhaps he, he uses his guile and his, uh, you know, experience to, to get himself into a position where okay. he could potentially get win. off the fence, Paul. So, so yeah, so, yeah, I think we've got there eventually, Barry. You're on Thomas Dietrich and Paul's yeah, on Martin yeah. Keimer, right? Okay, brilliant. For, 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 for not winning, just to clarify, <laughs> just, to yeah, that for is not fine, winning. Yes, so, yeah, these is. guys are possibly the ones you should back now. Yeah, Fade of the week and lay of the week. As, you you as watch you can, the, There'll, there'll, yeah. there'll be a playoff now between Thomas Detry and Martin Cohen. <laughs> I'm nowhere near this tournament. So, Barry, over to you. Who who have you got an interest in this week over in Austria? And then we'll move on to the uh, RBC Heritage. I do like that Craig Howie shaves a lot. It's mm. a shame um, I did not get to do some research yesterday and catch the early prices. But um, I think I might go with the Boyle Sports eight places on him this week and sacrifice a bit of that um, overall price. Mm. So there's that. And the other one who kind of shot off the page a little bit for me was uh, Nino Bertasio. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So um, I don't know how he handles cold conditions, but, you know, good last three events. Uh, he went 19th, 12th, 10th, a couple of weeks off to rest up. He's as a 19th and a 10th at this event. And uh, we'll go from there. Just give it a whirl. He's uh, current, current form and course form. I mean, just something simple. I don't. Have, I don't want to put too much, too much uh, effort into it, um, because then I'll just lose my mind. And uh, yeah, I. He's what he's generally available at fifty to sixty to one. So that's mm. it's it's enough of a price there that I'm not gonna like feel like it's a missed opportunity if he doesn't land. You know, but uh, no, no, no. There's a good combination there, and it's, you know, there's a few that catch your eye in that kind of. Um, Position where they've they've got that course form and course form and uh, course form and current form as well. So, so yeah, no, he, he was one that was um, that was shortlisted for for me as well. But uh, yeah, plumped for the uh, other four in the end. And That's allowed. <laughs> Should we talk about the RBC Heritage? Mm, yeah, go for it. Um, I wouldn't say I was surprised, but it's a decent field this week. Very decent field for the week after the Masters. You know, you, you, we've had we've had um, renewals of this that have been quite weak, um, but not this year. Uh, clearly, Bry- I think the bookmakers kind of knew, didn't they, that Bryson was going to um, WD on this because they were very reluctant to offer any odds. Yeah, I think we were waiting until was it almost five o'clock? It were, yeah, it was, it was far later than normal. Often, often you get in, you know. 10, 11 o'clock UK time, yeah. starting to see a couple trickle through, but well past three o'clock, there was absolutely Yeah, nothing. it was getting on for four o'clock, I think, you know, UK time before we got Bet365 with some prices. Um, but yeah, Simpson, Unibet have done exactly the same. You pointed this out off air. Um, every, clearly, Dustin Johnson is pretty much every bookmaker's favourite, apart from Unibet, who have gone eight to one Webb Simpson. And twelve to one, Dustin Johnson. Now, Dustin Johnson, with every other book, is either a nine or ten to one shot. So, if you're adamant that Dustin Johnson wins this week, 
get yourself a Unibet account and back him at twelve to one. Um, they've got they've re- they've reversed the odds out completely. Um, Simpson is a twelve to one shot everywhere else, but with Unibet he's eight to one. DJ mm. is twelve to one with Unibet. Uh, then we've got Cantlay, uh, Morikawa, who you know tempting at twenty to one. I did have a very good close look on Colin Morikawa. Daniel Berger at 22s. Cam Smith, I'm sure, to be popular. And Tyrrell Hatton at 25s. Paul Casey at 28s. What did you think to him last week, Barry? Paul Casey. He was the, he was, was, he was the darling of the markets, wasn't he, Paul Casey? I'm, I'm going to say it was one of the few things I said on the podcast last week that was correct. Mm. <laughs> you did, like... I, I don't know. Um, this this kind of ties into our little pre uh, pre ramble uh, before we hit the record button about <laughs> the uh, the older guys. Didn't really pop like we we, we both thought Sergio was going to go well. Yeah. We, we shouted him. Yeah, he absolutely mm. tanked. Bogeyed the first um, two holes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, look, Rose had a good week out of nowhere. So there's those older guys can pop into contention but it's about picking the right one on the right week and maybe that's a little bit harder mm-hmm. uh, so yeah I mean look you guys know my stance on Casey he, the guy's not getting any of my money so or the bookies aren't getting any of my money to <laughs> to go on Casey we've got two non-PGA Tour winners at 30 to 1 in fact we've got three we've got Matthew Fitzpatrick who says that this is his favourite course in America I also, you know, I read out the um, ball striking numbers from the Masters. Matthew Fitzpatrick's numbers, again, were very, very strong. He was fourth for total driving. Total driving, Matthew Fitzpatrick, yeah? He hit the most amount of fairways, and he was 26th for driving distance at 298. Fourth for total driving, and he was fifth for ball striking last week at the Masters, Matthew Fitzpatrick. Um, Again... A lot to like about him this week. You got Abraham Anser at thirty to one. We have Will Zalatoris, the hero of last week, at thirty to one. And then thirty threes, Corey Connors, Brian Harmon, thirty fives with Sung Jay Im, who seems to have fallen off a cliff recently. But Bermuda Grass Greens, we know how Sung Jay comes to the party on Bermuda Grass. Then we're out to Sergio Garcia, my nemesis from last week. Thank you, Sergio. And Kevin Nah at forty to one. There's there's still a lot of quality beyond those English. Siwoo Kim, Shane Lowry, Fleetwood, fifty to one with Unibet. Tommy Fleetwood, that's an outlandish price. He's thirty three to one with other firms. Billy Horschel at fifty fives. I said to you, Paul, yesterday. Billy Horschel at fifty fives. He just won a World Golf Championship. Yeah. yeah. It shows you um, the depth of the field, doesn't it? Yes, great field. Hoffman, Henley, Kirk, and we, you know, Kuchar at 66s, Kisner at 66s, Lee Westwood at 66s with Unibet. So deep, deep field. So that's good. The golf course. Now, um, it doesn't really need a lot of introduction. It's Harbour Town Golf Course, um, it's on Hilton Head. In South Carolina, I think it's. They say it's about a two-hour drive away from uh, Augusta National. It's a Pete Dye design. Um, I categorise it as a Carolina golf course. Um, it's coastal, clearly. Although you actually look at it, um, I think it's fifteen or sixteen of the holes are not on the water, and um, they're inland tree 
um, tree-lined fairways, very, very thin fairways and tiny greens. The second smallest greens on the PGA Tour at 3,700 square feet on average. I think it's uh, Harbour Town and Pebble Beach have the smallest greens on the PGA Tour each and every year. They've slightly extended the course this year. It's 7,121 yards. I think the length has been added completely to um, the par three. I think it's the 16th. They've added 30. Or they must have put a new tee box on it. Let me just clarify now. I'm just going through my uh, paperwork as ever. Yeah, it's the... Uh, we'll get there. It's good podcasting. One night, that's it, it's the 17th, the par three that they shoot towards the sea. The one of the um yeah, the second last hole is one of the signature holes. 174 last year, they've added uh, it's out to 196 this year, so an extra 22 yards. Uh what else? In terms of this, we have water hazards on each hole. Well, it doesn't grab me as a you know, it's, it's no Florida golf course. It, there isn't acres and acres and acres of water either side of the fairways, um, but clearly streams and tributaries running down the length of holes. Uh, some of the holes are fronted as well with ponds and um, with tributaries as well. So 18 of the holes have water hazards. But it's just, I always think um, it's very claustrophobic. It reminds me... But not as an extreme, as extreme as a little bit like Valderrama. A little bit, yeah. And Those trees holding you in, right? Yeah, and Graham McDowell has won on both. Hmm. Would I be right in that, Paul? Graham yeah, McDowell yeah. won at Valderrama. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For a PGA Tour event, we know how American golf courses play in general: long, wide, power. I mean. We'll see in Kiowa Island soon. Yeah, um, this is the complete reversal of that. It's very short. It's very claustrophobic, and it negates power. It's it's actually the complete one hundred and eighty of what we saw last week at Augusta. The only thing I will say that there are similarities for me. Again, this is a shot shapers golf course, and you read that I've got masses and masses of player quotes in the preview, available at Golf Betting System. Webb Simpson again said it last year on his way to a victory here. It's about being able to shape the ball both ways if you can. He won at 22 under last year. Um, CT Pan 12 under in 2019. CT Pan, that was his first ever win on the tour. Satashi Kadaira, I'm sorry Barry, I have to mention it. 12 under, he won in 2018. I won't mention who he beat. He didn't win it. Siwoo lost it. Uh, Wesley Bryan <laughs> at 13 under. Brendan Grace at 9 under. So you could say four of the past five renewals have been won by first-time PGA Tour winners. Although Brendan Grace or Brandon Grace was hardly a uh, non-entity. I think he was in the top 12 or 15 in the world. And he'd won uh, in Dubai, I think, on mm. the European Tour before winning this. So I did see a tweet out there saying, you know, uh, oh yeah. Tour maidens are a, are a must for the uh, RBC Heritage, and then it's like well, Webb Simpson won last year, so <laughs> I'm not taking any uh, anything into that. But yeah, it's 
The greens themselves are Tiff Eagle Bermuda grass. They were freshly laid in 2016. But because it's April, and because we're st you know, it's still frosty um, in the mornings, June, whatever, they're still over-seeded with Poa Trivialis. And if you're looking at good comps for Poa Trivialis and Tiff Eagle uh, uh, overseeded Bermuda grass greens, I always point people to PGA West where they play the Amex. Um, and also here, you, you could uh, do a lot worse than looking at Copperhead where they'll be playing the Val Spa Championship in a couple of weeks. Now that, of course, is Paul Casey territory. He's won the last two renewals, I believe, of the Val Spa's Championship. So yeah, you, I could see Casey popping up this week. Um, just just some kind of numbers for you. In just because these, I always find these events a bit a bit weird in the way that the week after the Masters. Um. It won't surprise you that the majority of recent champions did play down the road in Georgia the week before. Satoshi Kodaira, Brandon Grace, Jim Furyk twice, Matt Kuchar, Graham McDowell and Brant Schnedeker. You can add Boo Wheatley to that list the second time he won this. He went back to back. Boo Wheatley. Wow. And then you've also got the mix where who didn't play um, at Augusta, Brian Gay in 09, Carl Peterson in 2012. Wesley Bryan in 2016, who won this as a maiden, although it then came out that he'd clearly played about 4,500 rounds around here <laughs> from about the age of three. And C.T. Pan in 2019 also didn't play the Masters. So there's, you know, you can look at it. Yeah, mix, it, it, it? It's a non-entity, really. You, you can play, have players that didn't play the Masters or players that did play the Masters. And clearly the better players did play last week. One thing I did note, though, and I'm at, I'm also including in this last year's RSM Classic, which was played the week after the November Masters. Robert Streb won that. He was 55th in Bermuda the the outing before he won the RSM Classic. You were on Kevin Kisner at 40 to one that week, Barry. He'd missed the cut at the Masters the week before. And, you know, Tringali was in the top five that week, 29th at Houston. Wiesberger, 58 at the Masters. Andrew Landry missed the cut at the Masters. They were, those were the top guys that particular week. Then we go to 2019, back to the RBC Heritage, back to April. C.T. Pan had missed the cut in San Antonio. Matt Kuchar finished runner-up. He was 12th at Augusta. He'd uh, been 7th after 54 holes at Augusta. Patrick Cantley finished ninth at Augusta. I'd been on Patrick Cantley. I think you were as well, Barry, the week before at Augusta. Um, mm -hmm. He was 14th after 54 holes and clearly finished quite strongly until the last two or three when he bogeyed them all. But Cantley had been in the mix at Augusta. Shane Lowry had missed the cut at Augusta. Uh, Satoshi Godaira the year before, he'd finished 28th at Augusta. He'd been 21st after 54 holes and he was priced up at 250 to 1. I couldn't find anyone in the Kadira mould this week, someone that was clearly a lot better than the price suggested. Yeah, from a world ranking perspective. Yes, from a world ranking perspective. Siwoo Kim, that particular year, had finished 24th at Augusta, and he'd been 21st after 54 holes. He'd also made the last 16. He'd qualified out of the group at the world match play. 
Anyhow, we just keep going. Wesley Bryan, 62nd in Puerto Rico. Didn't play the Augusta. Brandon Grace had missed the cut in Organ in Augusta. Jim Furyk had missed the cut at Augusta. So players that missed the cut at Augusta isn't a bad route. The only one I found that was a real, absolute, stone-cold feature of the Masters the week before that then went on to win this, who else would it be? Matt Kuchar. He'd finished fourth in San Antonio, runner-up in Houston. That was the famous Matt Jones, oh golly, gosh, when he hit in the water on 18 when he should have won. He then went to Augusta, was third after 54 holes and finished fifth the week before this. He won this at 18-1. to So I, I don't, you know, you can look at it all different ways. Um, my instant reaction sometimes to this is don't pick people that were in the picture last week because it's a big come down. And Counterpoint to that, though, was anybody else really in the picture other than Hideki? I mean, yeah, the guys are kind of trying, yeah, but true. like how much... The, other than like the, the the four or five guys, the four let's say that we're in within four shots of them or five shots going into Sunday, the rest are really sitting there going, "Yeah, look, come on, I'm not going to win oh, the yeah. Masters, and I, I yeah. need to shoot a, a ridiculous sure. round." So you're not like you're not burning all the emotional energy reserves. No. I agree. I've actually gone for one that was really in the mix last week. He's my headline don't, tip, as it goes. Don't say Casey. Don't say Casey. Don't. I'm Casey. not saying. Paul Casey. <laughs> I'm not saying Paul Casey. Is there anything there I've missed? Anything you want to add about the course, the tournament in general, or whatever, before we move on? I they need I'm, more go. more lighthouses. They need more lighthouses. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a cracking looking track, isn't it? No, I think you're right. You know, There's clearly some comparable courses that you've included in the preview this week, and you mentioned uh, yeah. mentioned some of them. This you know, yeah, right, uh, Copperhood's a good, a good one, isn't it? Sedgefield's another one where there's a lot of crossover as well. Sedgefield so. Country Club's all over it, like a rash, isn't it? Yeah. Branch, Snedeker, JT Post, and um, CC Pan, of course. Pan, yeah. had, uh, would he finish second there? And he, basically, I think he'd finish second at the Wyndham Championship the year before, went into a complete abyss, and then popped up at this and won 160 to 1. Yeah. Yeah, it's a, it's a good one just to take a, a kind of an alternative view of, you know, kind of pseudo course form and uh, see if it throws up any names as well. And that throws out a lot of names this week that you could back at a price. I mean, mm. Luke Donald, if you really want to go out there, 600 to 1. A Wesley Bryan, 500 to 1, the local knowledge. You've also got some guys with some reasonable form recently. Um, you know, I was surprised to see uh, someone like Camillo Vijegas at a very, very big price. Now, I was tempted on Vijegas. Um, he's 300 to 1 with Bet Victor, 250 to 1 with eight places across a number of firm, firms. And if you... Camillo, Spider-Man, starting to find his game. Top 10 at the uh, Honda Classic. That gave him... Um, or that helped him to get um, a mid... I think he's not got full status, but he's got kind of mid-level status now on the tour after a, me a medical. Uh, he was also right in the mix at Valero. Uh, finished 18th in the end. He just seems to be getting a bit of that... You know, that strut, that... That you just watch him play now. He seems to be enjoying his golf, a lot more confident. Camillo, if you look at where he's won, um, he's a he's a Wyndham Championship winner for a start. Um, so yes, things I noted as well in the preview. If you're looking at high quality elite players, 
eight of the uh, um, you've got this 2010 through 2015, and also with Webb Simpson last year. You've got a whole list of players there that all had finished in the top five at Kapalua. So the first event that they play on the PGA Tour every year, Tiff Eagle Bermuda Grass Greens out on Maui. There's something there. So Furyk's in there, Simpson's in there. Um, player, Matt Kuchar, players that have gone very, very close to winning that event over in Maui. There's also something here, and it's not, you know, not every year, but eight of the 12 winners here from 2009 onwards had all finished in the top 10 at the Valspar Championship at Cophead. That's the one they play up at Tampa. It's, a, it's in Florida, but by no, that is no Florida golf course. That is effectively is a Carolina golf course. It's exactly the same as this. Pretty, a little bit longer, but tight, tree-lined, same kind of green structure. Bermuda grass with the trivialist overseed. So there's something in that. Again, that's shouting Paul mm. Casey. Clearly, I haven't. Brandon Grace doesn't fall in that 8 of 12, but he does fall into it because... After he won this, he then went to get a top 10 at the Valspar. So there's definitely something between Copperhead and here as well. And as we said, Wyndham Championship. The first one on my list was um, 33 to 1. I got him at eight places each way. He is a fantastic... um, I always just think he's understated, and a lot of people will look at his price this week and go, oh, I'm not backing him. You know, I can get Sung JM at the price, so I can get Billy Orshaw at a bigger price. And that's very true. But the one thing you say about this guy, and the one thing I like about him is, he's the kind of right player. He's nuggety. Um, he's got a great short game. He's got an all-round game. He He's a two-time winner on the PJ Tour. He's got a brilliant peak I reckon, and that's Brian Harmon. Just Harmon is playing great golf at the moment. I remember when he won, he won down up the coast at Wilmington when they played the Wells Fargo Championship just the one time at Eagle Point Golf Club. And he won that in 2017. He won that off a top 10 here at the RBC Heritage. And he beat John Rahm pretty much in a head-to-head and there was a hard, fast charge in Dustin Johnson that came into it as well. And he held both of them off. And that just shows that Harmon has got the he's got the he's got the nugget. He's got the he's got the fortitude to actually win on the tour. And I just thought 33 to 1, eight places with ball sports, I would I would cover off Brian Harmon. He was far too obvious not to cover off playing some fantastic golf right now. Quarter finalist at the World Match Play. Um, and also, just you just go through the whole list of PD, Pete Dietrat. I mean, he was third at the Players' Championship a few weeks ago. Um, I won't go through the, the others, but there's just a whole list of top 10s at Pete Dye Design. So I just thought Harmon, 33 to 1, not the worst price in the world. He's the sort that wins this. And clearly, I think um, he went out in the second last group on the Saturday at Augusta. Um, so he was right in the mix after 36 holes, eventually t- finished in that top 12 to get an invite back for next season. Yeah, he's been playing some lovely stuff, hasn't he? You go back to the um, World Match Play, um, again, another another peak die track, and he was racking up birdies for fun, wasn't he? He went on an incredible stretch. Seven you know? straight against Bubba when he was four yeah, down. Absolutely, yeah, he was, he was way down and then just reeled off birdie after birdie after birdie. And it's a cracking putter. That, that Wells Fargo championship you talk about, I, I backed him that week at 80-1. to one And 
Um, kind of more in hope than expectation, but as you said, he was he was really strong. His putting was outstanding yeah. to hold off um, Ram and, uh, and and DJ that week. And yeah, while he's while he's playing hot, I can see exactly why you've gone down that route. We always say players of the bat, Brian Harmon, and we're seeing this more and more. Players that are short and how you know just haven't got the physical attributes. They see this week, they see a tournament like a Sony Open, like an RBC Heritage, like an RSM Classic later in the year, this is a huge opportunity to get a PGA Tour victory. I don't think Harmon will be taking this lightly. I really don't. I don't I don't think he's, t- you know, I don't think he's going to be the sort that's turning up here just because he has to, because he's an RBC-sponsored player, for example. Um, next up, um, I've gone... He was chalked up. I was... He was chalked up originally with um, a couple of firms at 66 to 1, and I just could not believe the price. Um, I was, You and I were typing furiously, you know, keyboards exploding with the heat, the, the kinetic energy of getting this out as quickly as we could. By the time um, you'd published and I'd published, that price had come down from that 66 to 1 that they either got backed or they realised that they'd made a bit of an error. But Harris English, a point each way, I got 50-1 to 1 with ball sports, the eight places on Harris English. And if we're talking Kapalua, and we're talking that top four finish kind of um, angle, Brian Harmon has finished third at Kapalua. Um, and Harris English, of course, won there this year. And that isn't the only reason I've picked him. I, I just think English, he's starting to start... You know, he, he won that huge tournament down over in Maui. Um, he hadn't won for a period of time. That clearly was a huge relief to him. He then took, uh, you know, took that. That can either work one of two ways. With 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 English, he kind of disappeared, but you just start to see now he's starting to play some really nice golf again. Nineteenth, fourth, and twenty-first at the last three majors. He was twenty-first last week at Augusta. Finished, I think, with seventy on Sunday, which was one of the best top ten rounds of the day. And you just look at English's record. Sea Island, Wireye, the Sony Open, Torrey Pines, Sea Island, El Chameleon. He, sorry, he lives on Sea Island. He's, he's performed well at Sea Island, his home golf track. He's also a winner at the Mayakoba Golf Classic by the coast down there in Mexico. Um, he's won at TPC Southwind, a tough, um, claustrophobic past 70. Just, just a lot to like about English this week, I think. The sort that could go very well again, um, you know, I think he'll be motivated to do well. It's one of uh, the events that's close to his heart. I just thought sixty sixes with the wrong price, fifty to one again. That I'm more than happy to be on at fifty to one. Target price, by the way. You know, I'll, I'll say target price, but the historical winning price around here is oh since nineteen uh, since twenty ten sixty eight to one. Yeah, that juicy mid-price range. Simpson was 30s last year, and I know that that was a completely different tournament. It literally had everyone in it. But 30 to 1, even so, he wouldn't have been in the top, what, 7, 8 in the betting at 30 to 1? Um, Pan, Kadira, 160s and 250s. Brian was an 80 to 1 chance. Grace, 40 to 1. Uh, then we've got Furick, 25s, Kuchar, 18s. McDowell, was, McDowell, 40 to 1. Pettersson, 55s. And even Branch Snedeker was 35 to 1. So that's kind of where I'm fishing. I'm fishing a bit deeper this week. Harris English at 50s. I've also got Kevin Nahr at 50 to 1. 
Again, he was priced up at 66s with William Hill at first. Yeah, I think he was 66s with Bet365 as well, wasn't he? Or, yeah, was it? Uh, they, while they were still trying to get their heads around the uh, Bryson withdrawal, it was, um, there was some, some juicy early prices out there. But uh, yeah, no, I, again, that's, that's too long. Uh, you know, it's, it, For a guy that's playing so well. I'll let you talk about Kevin now because I know he's one of yours. Yeah, it's, 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 it's the wrong price, isn't it? It is the wrong price, yeah. I mean, you know, and it's. If he wins this week, it's a typical Kevin Nar winning price, isn't it? He, uh, you've you've listed a few of his prices in your preview, um, but um, but yeah, he, you know, he has a far better chance of winning. Was he got five PGA Tour wins now? Um, five for, PGA Tour wins, and four of those wins have come in fifty six worldwide outings, which for a win rate for a professional golfer is outstanding. Yeah. Winning prices forty five to one at the Greenbrier, seventy to one at Colonial. 70 to 1 at Summerlin, Las Vegas, 80 to 1 this year at the Sony Open. Yeah. No, it's, again, this this price point, kind of the 50 to 1, give or take, there about, they're about price, is absolutely um, where you'd expect to see Kevin Nar popping up. It's not as if he's out of form, is it? You know, he won the Sony Open, as you said, another short, fiddly track, um, 11th at the concession, 12th. Um, 12th last week at Augusta and you talk about um, short game you know th- these are tiny greens aren't they you talk about yeah. short game again you've got to have preview. a scrambling game here mate absolutely and what who led scrambling last week at Augusta National Kevin Nahr first for scrambling um, five top ten finishes here over the years um, Sedgefield we talked about as well 18th 10th 4th his last three attempts at he's also yeah he's also finished second at Copperhead behind John Sendon of all people yeah so he's got, he's got two or three I think he's got three top tens at Copperhead altogether and as, as you say that second uh, second place finish there as well and yeah I think he's the, the win equity with Kevin Nair is far far outstrips his price he's it's that ceiling isn't it you know he yeah. can win yeah absolutely I'll, he can yeah. miss the cut he could he could WD after run round this that's Kevin Nair but. He could contend and he can win at a good price. One thing I did notice with this one, Paul, 12th last week at the Masters equaled Nars' best ever finish there. Yeah. A feat he's already managed twice, both in 2012 and 2015. Looking back, when he finished 12th there, uh, 2012 he came here and finished 8th the week after. And in 2015, uh, 12th at the Masters, the next stroke play event he played, he was 6th at the Players' Championship, another peak die design. There you go. So he keeps, holds that, his form. he keeps that mo going, yeah. Yeah, and you know, and since those two events you talked about there, he's he's been far more likely to convert. He's, he's been he's been turning those contending um, or top ten finishes into into wins. So so yeah, really quite happy to be on top on on, uh, on Kevin Nar this week personally. Right. So Harmon. English and Nar for me. I've got two more. Barry, over to you because I know for a fact that you're definitely on my fourth pick. That that's it. Like we've we've reactivated the Kisner plan. Yeah. Um. Oh, sorry. We've actually reactivated the Woodland plan, which Kisner is currently on uh, or will be back on this week. So it just it makes uh, Kisner and Pete Dye and Bermuda courses and uh, ones that aren't too long uh, yeah. in particular, like this one. Just make all the sense in the world. <clears throat> uh, I'm, I'm going to rob a little bit of your preview, Steve, because you did some great work. Uh, <laughs> he, um, he, of all the guys that missed the cut, he yep. led the greens in regulation. Mm-hmm. So for Kisner at Augusta that plays, you know, so long, that's uh, that's pretty tasty. I think he had 26 out of 36 greens. So uh, you have to, you have to, 
you have to kind of read a bit into that. And he's always expressed a love for this tournament and this course. So with that, uh, I jumped out into the... Uh, we talked about Kisner for this week anyway on last week's pod and said, you know, I actually had a bit of fear when he started so well on Thursday. And he, what, uh, what price did you envisage when you when the market started popping up for Kevin Kisner? What did you this, envisage? I, like I said, I would have been, uh, on our little chat, I said I would have been happy enough with 50s. Yeah, I was surprised to see 66s. A pleasant and, surprise, I've got to and say. And then, yeah, Paddy Power decided to be uh, really awesome. Maybe just felt a little guilty about taking my money last week. And uh, <laughs> popped, popped it, him up. Uh, well, I don't know. Maybe it was just a glitch in the system. But they popped him up at 66s and I had a power up available. So uh, I got him at 75s and wow. uh, put, a, put, put, put a multi-point each way bet on him. So... Let's go, Kiz. I, I don't know what else to say. Um, big fan of his game. I just uh, like that. I just, yeah. I, you know, you and I, and back, we were all watching the world match play. I, I go mm. back to the Wednesday, and the, in fact, I go back to all three. I just thought he was playing some really nice stuff again at the Pete Dye Design Austin Country Club, which those yeah. greens are exactly the same as well. Tiff Eagle, Bermuda Grass, Poa, Trivialis, Overseed. He was, you know, when he beat Justin Thomas, he was playing some outstanding golf, hitting fairways as he does. Great approach, playing putting, just yeah. You know, abs- he's an outstanding putter, isn't he? I'd kid? absolutely hate to play him in match play. I'd he's so gritty and mm. dogged, and will just never ever let you get. I'd say you just don't get an easy win against him on holes, you know. So um, yeah. He's he's my he's my big one this week. Um, I mean, I, nothing else to add. On Kisner, uh, Kisner. Yeah. I suppose. Who? I mean, I, I haven't backed anyone else that's less than triple digits. Have yeah, you guys? Won- What's what odds did I get the other who one? Have you got? I did. So I, the other one I backed without too much thought, but I'm now going and doing a bit of digging to back it up. Yep. <laughs> it was um, Rob McIntyre mm. or Robert McIntyre? Mm-hmm. Um, as he insists, I th- which is fine. Um, look, he's he's absolutely buzzing. Got his top twelve there last week in his first Masters, so he knows he's got the invitation back there next week. Um, he's just going to be on cloud nine and swinging so freely this week. There's not much other. There wasn't much other logic to it than that, um, and the fact that he's Scottish and there's a tartan jacket for the win here. <laughs> so. That was the, my the, next bit of very, the, the, the very... The tartan factor. The tartan factor could be the, the hidden, you know, the missing ingredient. But doing a little bit of digging back in, um, he led the field in birdies last week. At yeah, Austin. he did, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 20, they, they mentioned that on the broadcast, yeah. 21 birdies, two better than the next best uh, group of guys. Um, yeah. Interesting that Hideki only had 13 birdies, but... You know he did. He did make those big birds. The the eagles really helped juice your score a bit. So yeah, he he, uh, he he was the best for bogeys all week. Matsuama bogey avoidance. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. And that's that, that. That's the thing. If you don't, yeah, if you don't make bogeys, then you don't have to make as many birdies. It's just it's European, a very uh, clean European. equation. Yeah, European Ryder Cup team right now. Tommy Fleetwood, Rahm, Hatton, McElroy from the European points. Well, points. Mm. Westwood. Victor Perez, Paul Casey, Victor Hovland, Matthew Fitzpatrick. Robert McIntyre is now the next in that ranking above Sergio Garcia. That's the kind of golf McIntyre's been playing. 
Super soft. The, I, only, the I, only flaw. It's going to be interesting. I could see McIntyre making the Ryder Cup team. He could. It, it starts know. to become a bit inexperienced at that point, though, because you've got Perez mm. in there, you've got Victor Hovland in there. But he, you know, if he keeps playing, the, and you know, if he can win another event on the on the European Tour, maybe, I don't know. Maybe he pops up at the Belfry next month and wins the Betfred British Masters. He's the kind of player you want to board, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. He seems like a battler, so he kind of you know negates the 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 rookiness Didn't a little get, bit. He got out of the group in the world match play as well. Yeah, he's, he's been impressive. He's really impressive lately. That's what the picks are there for as well. If the if the team is you know imbalanced in terms of rookies versus experience, yeah. then then there's the option there to uh, to balance it up a little bit. The only thing he's, he did last week was piled up with uh, Patrick Reed saying that the two of them were mates and he's hanging around. I was like, what are you doing? <laughs> It seems so crazy because, like, well, only was it two years ago or last year? He was giving out yards about Kyle Star. Was it Kyle Stanley not shouting for? And he and he was like Robert McIntyre was saying he was a big stickler for the rules. And now you see he's hanging around with Patrick Reed. You're like, well, you know, there's a little bit of a disconnect there, mate, because <laughs> you know, not throwing any accusations out there, but you know, Reed is Reed, and you know, we all know. Uh, we all know the situation there. It's um, it's a little bit of a murky uh, record he has when it comes to the rules. So I, I didn't get it. I didn't get it. But it seemed to work whatever tips he got from him because he had a great week. Yeah. No, really impressive debut. Very impressive. There hasn't been a winner of this particular tournament outside of the top 115 in the world golf rankings since Aaron Badley in two. 2006. And that kind of led me to my last pick at a triple triple digit price because I think he's been playing some outstanding golf recently, completely and utterly under the radar. Now, that could throw you towards AJT Poston, who I know is going to be popular this week, but it threw me to the grinder Michael Thompson, Alabama, um, one of the uh, one of the Sea Island Mafia. But you just look at where Thompson has done well. I landed him 125 to 1 full each way payout at the American Express back in January. I think he finished fourth. And my 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 whole um, reasoning for that was because he just plays Pete Dye courses in an understatedly good way. Um, and he's finished ninth and fifth there at PJ West when they played a stadium course. He's had a sixth place finish, oh sorry, fourth place finish at TBC River Highlands, the Travellers. And you just look at him here, 10th in 2019 and 8th last year in 2020. He sits currently at 98th, I think it is, in the world rankings, up from 272nd 10 months ago when they um, the COVID, um, or oh, we came back after COVID, the resumption. So he's clearly upwardly mobile. Just the kind of player who's kind of hits plenty of greens, a bit of a grinder, and we just uh, hits loads of fairways as well, can shape the ball, and just the kind of sort that putts very, very positively on Bermuda grass. And I just thought, you know, he was thought 34th at the Masters last week. I mean, Michael Thompson, 48th at the Players and 19th at the Honda Classic. He's playing some really consistent golf right now. Won't be sexy. I doubt if many will get on him. But I just took 125 to 1 with William Hill. 
as I was writing the tip, he was 150 to one. That got cut to 125s. But anyway, um, I think that's a more than backable price on Michael Thompson this week, 125 to one. So I've got Thompson, Kisner, Kevin Nahr, Harris English, and Brian Harmon. Um, who have you guys got at triple digits this week? Uh, well, you mentioned him a second ago, JT Poston. I've backed. Uh, he was 22nd at Sorgos, and that was after starting really poorly, open with a 76 that week. Um, for the remaining three days, there were only five players in the field that beat his three-day score. You know, all finished in a much loftier position at 22nd. So I think he's playing a little bit better than his uh, his underlying results would suggest. Sixth and eighth here from his two attempts and one at Sedgefield back in 2019. So... Um, yeah, quite happy to take on posted. The other one I've backed is a guy that you had at Valero Texas Open, um, Charlie Hoffman, sixty to one. Now, the I, Hoffmeister. I, yeah, I, see, I backed him first round leader that week, and of course he was five over through fifteen and uh, did absolutely nothing. He had the best second round of the entire field. He had the best third round of the entire field. So clearly, my timing was just out by a day or two. Um, finished with 66, 65, 66 that week. His three-round score was six shots better than anyone else in the yeah. field. How often do you see that on the PJ Tour? Uh, he, he was, and he didn't you know, win. <laughs> he didn't win. You, know, after the, you take those first 15 holes out of the equation, he was incredible. He was outstanding. So, so yeah, and it, it, I, there's just been that one destructive round in his, his games recently. Um, obviously, that one there at Valero, uh, he was fifth after 36 holes at the players and then shot 76 or something like that. He was seventh after 54 at Corrales as well. So there's been some really good stuff, just not quite putting it all together for all four rounds. But I know what he's done. I know what he's done wrong. He's followed the Rory McIlroy strategy. Eject early from the tournaments, remove all the pressure, and then play like the best golfer in the world. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, the, the wind pressure is removed immediately. Absolutely. But Poor Charlie. Charlie. He was, he'd, be, yeah. he'd, be such a, he'd be such a popular winner. He would, yeah, he would be. A um, couple of top tens here. He's I'll, I'll have to look and see what he's come. He's come close in the past in this. He's gone out in final groups or second last groups on Sundays and ejected yeah. slightly. But yeah, yeah, he, yeah, he can play around here, Hoffman. Yeah, yeah I, undoubtedly. He was. Um, was it 2013? I think it was where he was leading, mm. uh, going into the final day. And then shot another one of these mad final rounds, 76, 77, something like that. He shot to to take himself right out of it. But uh, but yeah, he's got. He's also yeah. one at El Chameleon, isn't he? Yep. That coastal track over in Mexico. Yep. Yep. So, yeah. I, get I thought there was plenty to like at 60s, I must say. If you're going to start talking about last 36, last 54 holes, why not, eh? Last 36 holes at the Masters, Hideki Matsuama and John Rahm were tied, 138 shots apiece. Kevin Nahr was only three off the pace there, shot 141, so three back of Hideki Matsuama, over the weekend at the Masters. He tied with Will's Alatoris, Phil Mickelson, of all people. So Nas playing some great stuff. Robert McIntyre, he was tied... Uh, he was only three shots back of Hideki Matsuama's last 54-hole total at the Masters. So McIntyre's playing some great stuff as well. Um, any, any more for you, Barry? No, I might jump on a first-round leader or two, uh, but 
No, I'm happy with where things are at. There's no point in giving extra money to the bookies when you've already picked the winners, right? <laughs> That's what I like. Confidence, baby. I, I like our I like our picks this week. I'm feeling good about it. Um, you know, let's last week was let's just leave last week in the past. It was a bit of a miss. But I think it was a bit of a miss for a lot of people, um, just the way it went. Yeah. So Yeah. I'm not um, I'm not seeing many Hideki tickets flying about, so uh, so yeah, one for the bookies and we'll get them this week. Exactly. My fade of the week. Uh oh. Second week on the on the trot has to be Dustin Johnson. That My, feels too obvious. Well, it does, but, <laughs> but yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, he's favourite, so he's not. You, you can't. You make it. Yeah, opinion, yeah. Right? It's just. Yeah, it's not gonna. I don't. Is it, I don't, just, is it just the RBC um, sponsorship that really drags him along to this? Do you think? Well, he's he's a, he's from the state as well, isn't he? South Carolina boy, but. I think he's actually led here after 54 holes. Uh, there's something... I was asking you boys in the p- podcast just after, in January, whether we were entering a Dustin Johnson era. And um, I think the answer to that at the moment is clearly no. Um, there are players out there that uh, I think it's got to the stage now, hasn't it? World golf, where there's so many good players. It's very, very difficult to to get in a period of total domination. Um, yeah. I just I'm, don't think there's any. There's nobody like that anymore. That was a Tiger thing, and you know, it's just it's we can't compare anybody to Tiger, really. He had been playing some outstanding stuff, DJ, but he's he, not. He been, ha- yeah, it's interesting though. We're getting twelve to one now at the RBC Heritage with Unibet on Dustin Johnson. So if the form continues to wane, you know, you could be seeing something along the lines of a sixteen to one, or maybe a 14, 16s for the PGA. Getting a bit juicier at that stage. My transatlantic double nomination is one of two. I'm going Kevin Kisner. I'm good with that. I'm only doing it to scupper your bet, Barry. But oh, thanks, Steve. Well, one of these times you 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 might actually be wrong in trying to kill me or something, and and it works (laughs) out. So you know, hopefully it's this week. Uh, Yeah. So. I think got Kisner, it, he's got odds. a great chance, I think, Kevin Kisner. I really do. I think that's sure us, do, boys. Sure I think that's us, yeah. gentlemen, for the week, isn't it? Oh, Absolutely. Yeah, yeah we've, we've muttered on for far too long. Apologies to the listeners. So, um, thanks for your time. I hope your bets go well. Yeah, best of luck, guys. Good luck, everybody. And uh, best of luck to you listeners. We'll be back. Next week, it's a weird one next week, isn't it? Because I'm not covering the team event on the PGA Tour and you've got the European Tour event down in... Yeah, Grand Canaria, this one, yeah. yeah. So, so we'll, uh, we'll cover that off with a podcast next yeah, week. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll have a short and sweet uh, run through of the Grand Canaria Open next Absolutely. week. Thanks for listening. As ever, five-star reviews, very, very important. Keep them coming and we'll see you again next week. Goodbye. If you like betting on God, Everyone that you back misses the cut Get some experts involved With all the stats and the tips and so much more Cause it's the golf betting system The golf betting system is the golf